Welcome everybody to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and today we're in the Moto IQ Slip Angle Studios here in Gardena, California. I'm joined by Mike Kojima. What's up, Mike? Hey, um, I guess here we are. And we have some new victims on the Moto IQ casting couch. We do, and they're, they're both on the casting couch. Sometimes it's just one person, but today it's two. Um, Mike, I... Which is the worst end? Like, what, like maybe that end. Some of the worst Shout things that have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know, like, it depends on the gravitational forces, right? Yeah. You know, if you're like a dog, your head, you have to be in a certain position, right? Yeah. Which way it flows? Yeah. And, I don't. Yeah. I have no idea though. I'm I'm yet to figure it out. We need to start keeping tally. Actually. Yeah. We sort of cleaned it, so don't worry, guys. With your yeah, those white spots are bleach from cleaning, oh, not anything okay. else. So, uh, we're, sure. we're joined by, by Mike Chang and Calvin Young from Evasive Motorsports. What's up, guys? Hey, how's, hey, it, going? how's it going? It's good so, to be here. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. I think you guys' name is probably one of the first ones that popped up when Mike and I were talking about who we could have on the show when we started doing the show with Moto IQ. So, yeah. glad to have you guys in the studio. Yeah, thank you. Cool. So thanks for I've, having uh, us. I've known you guys for quite a while because I had an S2000 for about eight years mm -hmm. and anybody in the S2000 space uh, especially track guys uh, know the name Evasive Motorsports so I'm sure we'll have a lot of S2000 stuff to talk about yep. um, and then Mike <laughs> you get to deal with these guys fairly often too correct? Yeah like I started working with them because uh, you know Eddie Lee uh, from Titan 7 that we had uh, a few weeks ago um, he asked me to help as a favor on one of his cars I, I think that's when I started working with you right uh, no it was on our the, first Pikes car yeah the gray FRS Remember, we, in 2013 when we built the FRS wasn't it like at some super lap that, yeah, 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 super yeah. Lap. You, you helped us Cause with that with KW suspension yeah. and yeah so it was way before Eddie oh okay yeah. yeah and and I, I mostly Got to know you guys through Eddie and Die, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I already always knew of you guys, but um, yeah. you know, like I'm, I don't get out much. So I don't actually meet people too often, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys are here in Southern California, but you have pretty much a nationwide and probably international spread by now. Uh, how long have you guys actually been in business for? Um, so the business was started in 2002. Okay. Yeah. Um, my business partner actually is not here right now, Tony. Um, me and him, we kind of just started for fun. It was one of those things where we're just a hobby of ours, and we started selling parts in our garage. Um, he was more of like the back-end web guy. Like he, he knew how to build websites, and I was more of like the, the front front man the hustler running around shipping stuff you know meeting vendors and stuff like that and so it worked out yeah. okay what platforms are you guys specializing in when you first opened um it was we we both had integras back then so okay. it was a lot of like the integra civic like eg ek dc which is like pretty much everyone else had the same car back in back in like early 2000s late 90s mm -hmm. so that was like our focus back then yeah okay yeah, and I know now you guys kind of skew more towards like the track and performance side of things. Has it always been that way for you guys? Um, I think we always had interest in like just running the car on track. Even mm -hmm. back then, we wouldn't have too much op too many opportunities to go. Uh, it, it, everything it really changed when I picked up my first S two thousand, which was in two thousand and four. Um, after that car, I realized like how good of a driver's car that is just just driving around or going to canyons like the feeling of that um i wanted to like experience that like on a greater scale so i started taking it to a racetrack um just messing it around and that and you get to meet so many people at the racetrack and i think kel is one of the persons that used to go to the track too and used to ah oh, what's the deal man <laughs> yeah, well, i mean you, you don't go anywhere either. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's one of those things where like you, you your interest peaks at a certain point and kind of falls off. Yeah. But I, I want to get back into it, but like you know, life happens. You have family, kids. It's, it's hard to go to the track when you have like two two kids at yeah. home. You know, so it's one of those things. Yeah. Just also also we're there a lot for the business. Yeah, instead yeah. of just like for fun. Yeah. So yeah. and I think it's just as fun supporting a race car than driving driving one. So yeah. Yeah, I, I think that happens to all of us, right? The more you get involved and, and uh, 
the, the less time you actually have to uh, to do stuff yourself. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And, and uh, one of the things like we we always I always try to remember <clears throat> that end of the day there's a business to be run. You know, so like it has to make sense for the business, or else we can't even afford to come out to the track. Right. You know? So um, that's why we do what we do right now. It's like we we do our best to build the best car possible and we put the best driver we could find possible in there. So like, instead of trying like, uh, oh, I'm gonna have fun by myself. It's like, I think those days are over. It's just like, we wanna give our, ourselves the best chance at, mm -hmm. you know, at doing this, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, no, and I mean, you guys have, have done a lot. Um, and for the most part, you know, from what I've seen, you guys have been pretty dominant in a lot of things. I know you guys had a couple real crazy S2000 builds there, like time attack builds that were just, cleaning up everywhere for a while yeah yeah s2 is uh we, we i think we still have a soft spot for that car even to yeah. this day and i think people who've owned s2000s know exactly what i'm talking about it's one of those cars that just don't they don't make cars like that anymore like yeah it, it has a very unique feeling to it like you'll you'll jump we have, we have a lot of people who jump between different platforms and they'll always come back to an s2000 and that's like the best feeling car to them mm -hmm. and plus for a lot of us at the shop mike and myself included we had s2000s so it's a car that we spent a lot of time with yeah yeah i mean what's crazy to me is that you know the car has been out of production now for what 10 years and you still see tons of them being run out to the track being autocrossed you yeah. see them up in the canyons even with the prices of them going through the roof now, which yeah. frankly I think is kind of crazy, because now is. I can never afford to own another one. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> um, but there is there is something special to those cars for yeah, sure. It's, it's a very special car for sure. So yeah. I remember my first time driving a CR, mm -hmm. you know, like just bone stock CR. It felt like they sprinkled some sort of like special like magic powder on that thing, man, because it just felt so much different yeah. than just a regular S2000. Yeah. And it was just all these small things that yeah. added up to something amazing. So what's what's crazy about that car is like, I noticed for for that car especially, like the, the smallest changes you make to uh, make on that car, you can really feel it when you drive it. Mm -hmm. A lot of cars, like you will have to make more drastic changes or modifications. They'll be like, yeah, it kind of feels a certain way. Um, like GTR, for example, like it's such a such a dominant car just from the factory, right? Like to to fine tune that, like you kind of have to make some drastic changes and be like, okay, now I feel a difference. But S two thousand, literally, I have like we have drivers where like a couple clicks here and there, it's like oh my god, the car is now like it's understeering. Now it's oversteering. Yeah. It's like all we did was like adjust literally like two clicks here. Yeah. You know, it's, you it's a it. very sensitive car to like changes or modifications yeah. and that's why i think it's such a fun car to play with you know so yeah, i know for for a while the cars got really cheap which was really cool because it let me afford to buy one yeah um but now they're just like i said before they just keep going up in value and i think again it's people are starting to realize what a special vehicle that the s2000 actually is yeah. and appreciating it more exactly for a while i feel like the cars kind of went underappreciated for like two or three years when the price yeah. was really tanked yeah yeah, and uh, NSX is like all these cars, like they 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 were really special cars, and people now became like I think that for the past five years prices have gone up mm -hmm. every single year. So um, yeah, I, I think I recently saw like a CR with like maybe four thousand miles sold for like seventy eighty thousand. Yeah, it's That's just ridiculous. ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. You guys ever cringe inside when you see like a low mileage car that you really enjoy and you're like, man, nobody has enjoyed that car at all. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. We actually get a good number of like really clean S two thousands that kind of just roll in. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I mean, I I think low mileage is fine, but mm -hmm. like the low, low mileage but still gets driven. You yeah. can tell like it's yeah. oh they drive it, but it's low mm -hmm. mileage. Yeah. They don't drive it all every day. Right. But there's low mileage that you know gets stored. Those are the miles I cringe at because yeah. like those cars probably don't even run that well anymore. It's like a 2001 yeah. on the original tires, and you're yeah. like, what the heck, man? Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad. It's, that's yeah. what the car's made. It's not, you know, it's made to be driven, I think. Yeah. So. so, I mean, for you guys, you started off in, you know, front-wheel drive Honda stuff, and then kind of migrated to S2000s when you got an S2000. Like, uh, from there, you know, you guys, it looked like you guys had a lot, a lot of development time, mm -hmm. you know, with the S2000 chassis to get it to where it was. Right. Yeah, so um, 
I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Robert Walker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, he drove for you guys at Pikes Peak. Yeah. So and, I yeah. think he would. He played a pretty key part in like our S2000 development because he was. I would say for an amateur driver, he's probably the best driver I ever met. So, as, so I'm saying that because he. He not just drives well, but he could step out of the car and tell you exactly what he's feeling. Right. So like something like that is really hard to find because you can always find fast drivers, but you can't. It's hard to find drivers that would be like, you know what? I think the shocks need this. The sway bar need this. We're like, dude, thank you. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's he's definitely very descriptive and he, yeah. he can actually get pretty specific. <laughs> yeah. When we're like on track, like if he needs something. <clears throat> if he needs something fixed. Yeah. So now when you guys started working with him, was that something that he was already able to do or is that kind of a process that you guys over time ended up developing? It was, was yeah, it was definitely over time, but okay. like he was already he had his own S2000 at the, at that time. Yeah. So when we met him, he was already like um participating back then it was like red line time attack yeah. at Cal Speedway or whatever. Yeah. Like it's a long time ago. And he was doing really well. It's like literally a stock S2000 with suspension, wheels, tires. And he was like placing first in street class. Like people were like, "How is he running those times?" Yeah. And and, and then we kind of stepped in. We became friends, and we supported his personal car. At the same time, we asked him to, "Hey, you want to drive my car? I did this. What you think about it?" And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. At that time, we also had like we were really feverish about going to track, mm -hmm. and so we went almost like once, at least once a month. Oh yeah, yeah, like there were times we're, where like uh, three <clears throat> week, three three times a week. I mean, yeah. three, three times a month. I'm sorry, three times a month. I would go to the track. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just take off and just go, just drive. And then even if I'm not driving, I go and watch Rob drive. Mm -hmm. Like we were really into it back yeah, then. It becomes it becomes a lifestyle at that yeah. point. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. We do a lot of like experimentation with our cars, and then like if it didn't work on ours, then we didn't like apply it to everyone. And if something worked really well, we put it on everyone's car. Yeah. And there was like a small group of us that would just go through these like experiments. Yeah, and then um, it was really interesting because when we first did the S two thousands, it was it was before I think the arrow crazy era of like right now like everyone has arrow right yeah when we first ran s2000s back then like literally like maybe you see a one or two wings at the track max mm -hmm. and uh we were the importer of like voltex from japan so right. we we already had like a lot of gt wings made for the s2000 so we were just experimenting with wings and like we we're telling people hey like we see a bunch of like s2000 guys out at button willow it's like Oh, you guys are running like cool, like 208, 210, pretty good, you know. I'm like, you know that um, when we put a wing on, you could shave like three seconds yeah. just by putting a wing on. Like, no way, man. People are like just looking at us like we're crazy. But like, like looking at how things evolved to today, it's like you don't go to track unless you have a wing. Yep. It's become the standard. Like, you know, like, oh, are you, why are you driving without a wing? Are you trying to prove something? You know, like, <laughs> it, it's, it, that, that, I think it's so crazy to see how things have evolved to this point. And back then, we were like, Kel, we were experimenting with, like, homemade splitters. Yeah. Like, we're trying to build splitters that are, like, more aerodynamic than just a plywood, you know? Yeah, so we were trying to mold adding, fiberglass. Yeah, we'd be adding, like, fences, and we'd be, like, finding out the bottom of the bumpers with, like, air dams so we could get, like, a nice flat surface. Mm -hmm. And then uh, eventually we moved on to start doing like underbody stuff and flat floor. Full flat bottom, yeah. Yeah, yeah this was before. Those. This was before like people were even thinking about putting like a splitter on their car. Yeah, it was just like they were just barely getting to the point where like, oh, we we all need wings, and we were like already on underbody. I mean, what what I've always found interesting, especially about some of your early cars, the the horsepower especially for the NA cars, wasn't really that high. No, you know, you guys were doing a lot of stuff with suspension yeah. and aerodynamics that yeah. was really proving to pay big dividends, yeah. which is one thing that I, yeah. I always really enjoyed about yeah. the stuff you guys built. And I think that's, I think we always, ha always had a mission to uh, extract the most out of a car without adding a ton of horsepower. Yeah. And I think it resonates with a lot of people out there too. They'd be like, what you got under the hood and it was like no it's stock like we have headers we like we have bolt-ons yeah. that's it but like i said all our focus went to aero suspension just like to fine-tuning everything else that mattered and then we we wanted to prove to like maybe the s2000 community at that point like you could do a lot in the car without trying to go supercharged turbocharged you don't need all that you know especially yeah. for a track car 
So we, we, we proved that with a few of our first iteration of the S2000. It was like, I think it was street record for a few years. Yeah, we, we did it twice. We broke, the, we broke our own record. Yeah, yeah. And it's just super rewarding to, to be able to achieve that without like, at, you know, start like adding massive amount of horsepower and stuff yeah. like that. And that's been like the way we build cars ever since then. Well, obviously, we have cars now that make like eight, nine hundred horsepower, but then you kind of figure out how to tame that type of horsepower too. So, yeah. You know what? What other cars? You know, after the S two thousand, did you guys start kind of branching out into? Uh, we. Yeah, I, I think the car that really started was actually the Evo, though. Yeah. So in in '06, we bought a uh, brand new Evo Nine RS. Okay. Yeah. With the radio delete and everything? everything. Yeah? Yeah. Just the basic one. Yeah. Nice. Like, thinking about it, we should have left it stopped. <laughs> yeah. It would be like gold right now. Yeah. But yeah, we still have the car, but it's like chopped up. It's a race car. Okay. It had the roll-up windows. Um, so we probably... Yeah. <laughs> it probably has like 10,000 track miles yeah. only. Yeah. It's never seen the streets. Um, we bought one of those, and um, going back to like our relationship with Voltex Japan, that's when uh, the Cyber Evo was like dominating time and time. Everybody, it was yeah. killing everybody. Like it was, it was the fastest thing that like no one was even close. Um, and also, it looked so wild, right? As from like just aero perspective, just how the car, the, the way it sat, the stance. It was, it was something we wanted to mimic and kind of help our sales with Voltex in the US as well to kind of introduce to people to this more like this wild style Japanese arrow you know and that also worked mm -hmm. um, so that's what we did with that car so we built it to look exactly like the Cyber Evo and we had a lot of support from Voltex too as far as they, they would send us like old versions of their flat bellies or you know like just when we get their hand-me-downs but it's still way better than anything we could have yeah. here so that was cool and then um, I think visually it was really striking for people. That's why it kind of put that car like on the map as far as like um, in the time attack world because it was an evil that had like huge canards, huge wing. Like it was so different than anything else in yeah, the states. We, at the time. And we yeah. were running like uh, flares on flares, like wide body and 18 by 11s all around. So it was things that people weren't doing back then. Mm -hmm. You know, back then it was maybe like oh uh, maybe a little flare and like. 18 by 9, you know what I mean? So I think that that really uh, took off as far as like just like maybe putting our name on the map for in the time attack world at least. Okay. Yeah. How long have you guys been distributing, uh, or sorry, Voltex products um, um, in the States? It's I think it's been over 12 years now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So met him a, a lot. I mean, lot. pretty yeah. much you guys were responsible for bringing Voltex in mass to the states yeah there's people that uh, there's people that brought voltex before but mm -hmm. they, they didn't they didn't really do a good job of like promoting the brand or maybe they weren't even doing good job of running a business here <laughs> so yeah. uh, we just thought we, we like didn't work out between the previous uh, vendors so we just jumped in at the opportunity to like you know i think we could we could race your stuff educate people on what it actually does it's not just for looks it looks cool but at the same time, it also works. So um, that's kind of how it took off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, you know, for the longest time, I was trying to decide for my S2000 if I was going to get the Type 7, like with the swan neck. Yeah. Or if I was going to do just like a Type, you know, Type 2, Type 3. Yeah. And ended up going with a Type 3, which actually ended up working really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I actually, I put it on the car and first session out, I dropped two seconds. <laughs> yeah, and then the car was understeering everywhere. It almost works too well, right? Yeah. Like you can't like, like, turn in as literally like well leaving, well. leaving hot pits. Like first corner, you're like, man, that rear end feels like real heavy and planted now. All right, yeah. cool, it works. Yeah. So, yeah. but no, I mean, that was probably as far as confidence goes on the S2000. That was probably the biggest thing mm -hmm. that I did to the car. That and a bucket seat. Yeah. So those yeah. were like the two biggest things that yeah. probably helped that car for me, uh, you know, inspire more confidence. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, a couple of years ago, you guys built pretty much the first 
crazy time attack FRS. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's what I think Mike um, was helping you guys at Superlap with, mm -hmm. but you guys also took it to Pike's Peak. Yeah. You know, pretty much when the car had only been on the market for about a year. Yeah. You know, the cars came out, hit the market in like summer of 2012. Yeah. And then summer 2013, you guys were racing at Pike's Peak. Yeah. I mean, what was that whole process like? Because it's, it's obviously something a little bit different than what you guys were used to with time attack sure. stuff. But at the same time, you can apply a lot of the same things. Yeah. Um, you know, prepping for something like that, such a, I guess, a large kind of world-class event. Yeah. You know, how much different was that for you guys? Um, I, I, I mean, I think that was probably the hardest thing we we've, we've like done to yeah. date. It's Pike's Peak just because of the elevation, the the effects on like cooling and and aerodynamics. It's huge, and we. I mean, I kind of had an idea that like, oh, we really need to focus on cooling part, of, cooling aspects of the car. Um, but like, even when we showed up there, we were still undercooled. We had to add like, we went, we literally went to Walmart and started buying sprayers, oh, and really? bottles, and pumps, and like getting like a windshield wiper pump and spraying water everywhere on on the intercooler and radiators. Reminds me, I remember seeing something that Dave Coleman did on like Project Sylvia back in the day for like water meth injection. I think he actually had the sprayers for the windshield like set in front of the intercooler and he could just activate them from the windshield sprayers. Yeah, that, that, that reminded me of that. That was literally what we did <laughs> the first time we went out. Nice. Yeah. 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 Nice. We, we, I mean, we tried our best, but we really had no idea what we were doing. And yeah, so, so with going back to that, the FRS, how we got into it was, uh, um, there was so much hype around that car. Like, I, we all remember, like, oh, yeah. the, Tons 80s, of hype. Like, the FRS. For like two or three years yeah. before it even came out. It was like, literally everybody wanted one, everybody mm -hmm. wanted to build one. So like, we, we fortunately got the opportunity from Scion at the, at the time to build, uh, to, they gave us a car to build. Um, previous year we did a Scion challenge with the IQ. It was kind of just for fun, but they, they kind of like our styles. They're like, you know what? We'll give you guys one to build. So I'm like, yes, we jumped on an opportunity. Let's make it a race car. We're not gonna even try to street. No point in street driving it. Go straight to race cars. So that's how we uh, we uh, came up with the idea. And then we really wanted to make it look like a GT300 uh, Super GT car. Mm -hmm. So that's where the bodywork, which we like, uh, we shaped in house. It was yeah. that was one of the hardest things we had to do yeah. too because we had no idea what we were doing. Like. It was the first time Kel's ever shaped a fender. Yeah, um, we did full wide body from scratch. Fiberglass like, or metal or fiberglass. Fiberglass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like the whole process was like, what are we? What do we yeah. get ourselves into? And this was like two weeks before SEMA, where they're sanding. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things. Is like I think, I think we took a big risk all the way. Even going to Pikes Peak for the first time. Those are all just things that we had no idea what we're doing, but. I firmly believe that you have to just go in, go in, and figure it out. Because if you never even go in, like You've how would you try? Like, yeah, how would you try. know like what it's gonna be like, right? So yeah. now, like if we go back to Pikes, it'll be our fifth year. So like the things that he says is all obsolete because we already figured it out at this point, you know. So that's the cool part. It's just like we just figure it out and just kind of make it make it work, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess in the later iterations of other, you know, builds of that chassis, what sort of things did you guys take? from the first car that you guys built and implement to like future builds you know like what worked well and what didn't work well um yeah so the the cooling system yeah. was one thing that we overcooled the car yeah so Definitely we, we got i think we got that down to a science now basically yeah. just we're we run massive coolers mm -hmm. heat exchangers sprayers um, yeah we spray the brakes we, everything gets sprayed with water okay yeah, yeah. Um, really, the biggest thing is to try and get the car to be reliable and consistent. Um, because Pikes Peak is basically it's a canyon run. Mm -hmm. You're you're racing up a mountain on a normal road that you the rest of the year everyone is tourists and mom and dad are like just 20, driving 25 up. miles an hour. Yeah. yeah, and so it's you know a lot of I'm sure a lot of your listeners they're like. You know, toge on local canyon roads. It's that's what it is, mm -hmm. and so you, we had to have a car that the driver was comfortable with, more so than like 
having a car with absolute like top speed and all that the the driver has to be really comfortable in the car because he's there's no runoff there's no guardrails it's it's just a cliff yeah when if you mess up it's a cliff yeah so yeah, I think we've all seen Jeremy Foley's Evo video from there yeah, in like yeah, 2011 yeah, or 2012 it's no joke yeah yeah definitely not yeah. Ken Gushi. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, he flew That's off right. one year too. That was too. a en engineer cut, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, that race is just something that you know is can be can be brutal. Yeah. So in the weather conditions, you know, I don't know how it was the past couple of years that you guys have been, but you know, one year like it got snowed out halfway through. It uh, it rains every year. Every yeah. year we've gone, it's rained around three or four o'clock. Right? Really? Yeah, like kind of on the dot. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I think actually our first year we were the last dry run. Oh really? Yeah, we got down. lucky, man. We got <laughs> really yeah, lucky. Real lucky. Yeah. Rob, Rob said when he got to the top, there was like raindrops falling on him already. Man, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. man. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of those things that's just that event to me seems to be at least in the time attack world. I don't want to say the pinnacle, but it's probably the most challenging time attack style event that you can essentially get in the world. I, I yeah. think I, well, I think it is a pinnacle yeah. of time I think attack. That's the top. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, so, but that's the funny thing. Like a lot of people don't consider it time attack. You know, I know there's a time attack class. There yeah. are two time attack classes, but yeah. you know, when people think about time attack, they usually think about time attack being on a circuit. Mm. They don't really view hill climbs as mm -hmm. time attack. And maybe that's just a U.S. thing because there's very few hill climbs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think they do some in New England and up in Michigan and stuff. But right. like out here, there's really no hill climbs. I think there might be one. Like Ferrari Club does or something. Chimney um, Rock. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's still called. I've heard that. of people like going out and doing it, but I don't know exactly what I it think is. That there is one more. I'm, I, I think it's in like uh, Washington. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but, but so. I mean the and then the other thing is for hill climb, you get one shot. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's not. It's not like Time Attack where oh, let's, we'll hit it the next the session. sessions. Yeah. No, 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 no. You get that one yeah. run, and that's it. It's like autocross style. Yeah. Well, even autocross, you get a couple runs. Yeah. yeah. You get one, yeah. and you, try you just gotta lay it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. It's challenging for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I know lately you guys have been doing a lot of stuff with Civic Type R's. Mm -hmm. um, that car, to me, some of the lap times that I've seen put in, they're pretty impressive. Yeah. Overall, I know a lot of people talk about overheating and stuff, but if you have you know the mechanical sympathy and can watch the gauges and stuff, I think you can avoid that pretty easily. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sure there's aftermarket solutions to kind of help deal with some of that as well. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, I I toured one and took it up to Malibu, mm. and it just blew my mind, man. Like the car to me had no right to be that good. It really <laughs> did. I know. I don't know if you guys like feel the same, it's but it's really good. As a previous S2000 owner driving yeah. it, you're like. There's no way in hell that thing is this good. No, like, what is really, going on? Yeah, really well-engineered car. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it didn't break the record at Nurburgring for, like, for nothing. You yeah. Know? Like, you, you, you could tell the car is too, almost too good. Yeah. Yeah, it's too good. So I was I was very impressed. Yeah. And then after I rented it, I came back, because I'd seen the, the video from Nurburgring, and I was like, oh, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Then I rented one, came back and watched the video, and I was like, wow. Now I get it. Like, that dude is hauling balls everywhere, yeah. like, sending it. Yeah. So, what was it, like a 743 or something at the Nürburgring? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Which is crazy, because remember, fast. like, when the GTR first came out, it was, like, a big deal that it was at, like, 730. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking 10 years later, but still. Yeah. yeah. It's really but it's a, a four-door sedan. It's yeah. super practical. People drive it every day. Yeah. It's a hatch. It's a hatch. It's yeah, a it's a hatchback. Yeah. You could fit, like, a spare... Set yeah. of wheels, tent, yeah. go to the track and drive home. Yeah, right? actually, our all of our like early track days, we would fold the seats back, put four sets, four wheels in there, and a tent and all the tools mm -hmm. and even a cooler, and take everything with us in one car. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember my so in the SEMA show in 2017, I on Facebook I proclaimed my favorite build as your guys Max's tire build that you had that was in their booth. Oh, and like. All my friends were giving me crap. <laughs> that was the FRS, right? No, it was uh, their... The first year it came out. Yeah. yeah. So I proclaimed that as like my favorite car there, and all my buddies were just giving me tons of crap. <laughs> but I still stand by my word, man. <laughs> like, it's, it the, just... it's the car that like you want to hate, but once you drive it, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. 
I mean, I remember when I first saw it, I go, this has got to be the stupidest, ugliest car I've ever seen. And uh, I remember Aaron and those guys had one. I think I drove it to the track for yeah. them. And, man, I was so embarrassed. I go, oh, man, this thing is so ricey. Like, every little every little kid was waving at me, and I'm like... But then I drove it, and it's like, wow, this this car is so good, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Even on a straight line, like, it's got some rolling speed. Like, you put that thing in third gear and do, like, yeah, a third gear and fourth gear pull on the freeway. Like, it it's got some power. Yeah. I was impressed. Yeah, that, it's a good engine they put in there. Yeah. 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 I wish the old Honda stylist did the styling, though. <laughs> we know they sell that motor now. Yeah. HPD's been selling that motor for since SEMA in 2017, actually. Yeah. They announced that you could buy it. Yeah. It's more than the motor, though. It's like the whole car. Yeah, it's the whole thing, yeah. Like, I think maybe the only car I ever drove that impressed me so much stock was, like, a GT3. Yeah. Yeah, That's, uh, yeah it's a different league. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and even, like, the GTR did, yeah. didn't impress me like the, the Civic. Yeah, yeah. So this past Super Lab, like the Civic Type R is street class, limited class, first place. Oh, it's a freaking cheater car for street class. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's, and then, yeah, it's, ba it, you just flat, hum data flash, yeah. wheels, tires, suspension, you're running like 155s at yeah. one wheel, yeah. you know, stock body. I remember, so this past December at a Speed Ventures event, um, Willem Dries, yeah. He took his his stock one out. Yeah. Factory tune, mm -hmm. just with wheels, tires, and brake pads, and did a 156 on yeah. a cool morning. Yeah. Like how in the hell, man? man it's, it's it's just ridiculous. It's one of those really cars is. like uh, like you just feel like you could just step on it. Like yeah. you don't you know you have you have so much confidence in that car. It's not scary to drive at all. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I took it out to the fast. canyons and you turn in, mm -hmm. and the car would just keep turning in. Yeah. Like you could. Oh, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Like you can't believe it's front wheel drive. I know. When you're driving it. It's yeah. got a little yeah. bit of torque steering, especially with crappy Turo tires yeah. on it. But, um, but nothing like the old Honda. No. <laughs> it's like no. completely different. Yeah. Yeah. They did a so, good job on that car. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, have you guys done any like real crazy track builds with those yet? No, I think uh, for this car specifically, we want to keep it street style yeah i think that's what this car fits into like it's a type of car that i think if it's too crazy race car build it kind of defeats the purpose of a civic type r yeah i think because it, it this is a, a race version that honda put out um all we can do is refine it and then give give the consumers our version of it and i think that's that's where it'll stop right there yeah i don't think we should push beyond that point where People can't relate to it anymore. As far as like, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna weld a roll cage in here, yeah. you know, or strip I'm it. I'm still waiting to see you guys take one yeah. and just do like a full aero treatment. Keep it mostly stock powertrain. Oh, just aero <laughs> and like like what you used to do with S2000. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it goes sub 150 real easily a buck. Oh, I think so yeah. too. Yeah, I'm pretty, I can sure. pretty sure. I'm pretty <laughs> imagine with the wing and a big yeah. splitter, I'll probably shave a lot of time. Yeah, like yeah. A, a decent aero package, it'll it'll drop a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. So right. if you do that, like you know. You could almost sell like a track package in a crane, you know, like what, like what they do with the demon, right? Yeah. You know, like here's your splitter, here's your wing, oh, here's your coilovers, and your wheels and tires, yeah. and your brake pads. There you go. Yeah. Do it. That's a sub 150 package. I, I, actually, I think that car would be super difficult to build into a pure race car just because of all the <laughs> so electronics, electronics yeah. integration and everything. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean. I don't know. Everything on the CAN bus could go crazy, and then well, you well, you would have to build it like like the TCR yeah, style. You know, like I, think, I think you'd be you stripping like everything a, out. At yeah, that it point. won't be a Type R anymore at that point. It would just be like a Honda power race car. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'd love to see just a full interior one though. Yeah. Like go sub one fifty. Be driven to Buttonwillow. Yeah. Go sub one fifty <laughs> yeah. and drive home. Yeah, I think that'd be great, man. I think that's what it's all about these days, right? Fast street cars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the more the lead, the less you do, the faster you go. The more you can say, "What now?" You know. Yeah. That's, well, that's the way. Like, so unless I was competing uh, in my S two thousand, I used to run street tires because mm -hmm. my theory was it's cool to be like the real fast guy on street tires. Yeah. And if you happen to be slow that day, you can be like, oh, "I'm on street tires." <laughs> but if you're, <laughs> if you're on slicks, if you're the slow guy on slicks, like nobody wants to be that guy, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. like you don't have yeah. you don't have anything 
you know, that you can fall back on. If you're like, fast oh. on slicks, people are like, oh, he's on slicks, no big deal. Like, oh, these slicks are old. Yeah. <laughs> so but being fast on street tires is like, yeah. you know, that's the sweet spot. But at for the me. same time, street tire really isn't street tire. No, anymore. they've gotten so yeah. Street tires yeah. are basically <laughs> slicks. Crazy. Yeah. Street tires yeah. are just as fast as the yeah. like, slower like DOTs. The Hoosiers were back in the, like 2010. Yeah. I mean, these street tires these days are not street tires. No. No yeah. way. No, they're street tire and look. Like, that's about <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you even think why is there a need for our compound anymore? You know, like yeah. they should eliminate eliminate that category and just make a bunch of these street tires. Because yeah. it does both. Or just it take does. the R compounds and actually put like a tread in it. Yeah. And then boom, there's yeah. a new one. Actually some of the new street tires that are even faster They're than like faster. the oh, yeah. ATO ones are yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. ATO yeah. ones or eight eight eights. Oh yeah, no, yeah. no. Yeah. These street tires are faster. Yeah. So there there needs to be like this major our compound update. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's called slicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the most part, they're really... There hasn't been, besides like the Max's RC1 mm -hmm. and like the R888R that yeah. Toyo's come out with, in the yeah. past five years, there really hasn't been no. much development no. in the R compound range. Just, I mean, everyone just puts out tires and call it 200 Treadwear Street Tire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, there, I don't think there's a, uh, no one's regulating that, so they could put any Treadwear they want and yeah. call it Street Tire. Yep. Because no tire company is going to be like, oh, this is a race tire, because it kind of, makes their market a little bit smaller. When they call it street tires, they go, oh, you sell it to everybody. Yeah. It's, it's faster than your tire, so, you know. I think what's driving a lot of that 200 tread wear, it's a lot of, like, the the endurance racing, like the cheaper endurance racing. Yeah. Um, like the amateur endurance racing, and then, like, autocross and some of the time attack classes. Yeah. That 200 yeah. tread wear is the cutoff. <clears throat> Pretty much. You know, like, if you took a bone stock S2000 out, mm -hmm. you know, with the original tires, those are 140. Yeah, you know, you'd get bounced from street class. <laughs> yeah, you know, you really tires. would. You're on the original tires, yeah. and you show up to like a global time attack event, you get bounced from street class. Yeah, just because of the tires. Yeah. So, but it's, you know, when I worked for a tire company, we went to one of the big online tire wholesalers, and I spent two weeks there training, and it's it's amazing how they come up with a lot of those treadwear ratings. You know, there's, it's really, it's really basic. There's one tire manufacturer that makes a control tire for, you know, all of the manufacturers to use. And then they test that tire for specific things. And then they test it against one of their other tires. And then that's it, that sets the baseline. And then those manufacturers, they could just use that baseline tire that they did, mm -hmm. like that they measured against the control tire. They can measure all of their other tires based on that one tire. So it's all like relative to how like that Trevor was. So it gets really, really diluted. Yeah. Really diluted. Yeah. And makes me not really trust the UTQG <laughs> no. ratings at all anymore. Yeah. So a lot of manufacturers have actually been screaming about, hey, we need to develop a new system for that. No, I think so too. So, because it's yeah. misleading. It's very yeah. misleading. Yeah. 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 I mean it was designed to help consumers. Right. And now it's just you know, and maybe it's only in like the performance tire market, like that max performance summer tire yeah. market where it becomes an issue. Right. But I'm sure the other end of the spectrum, like the cheap tires that last a long they're time. They're like 800. They're, 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 800 yeah, tread Sweet. I, I bet you there's fudging on that end of this market too. Yeah. Like everywheres or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the ones that will last like 200,000 miles. Last <laughs> longer than the car. It's like Kmart, it's like Kmart shoes. <laughs> like just keep going forever and they're dirt cheap. I'll last the car, yeah. Like they just make them out of just like solid rubber. Like it's not even like just rock there's hard. No, there's no oil in it. Yeah. Like you do burnouts on it for like 20 minutes and it doesn't even wear away. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things tires like we were talking about that's probably one of the biggest things you can do to a vehicle as far oh, yeah. as improving performance sure. um yeah. you know that and like a good alignment mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. brake I mean, pads yeah and brakes well it depends yeah. on what sort of driving you're doing yeah so there's a lot of people well i won't say there's a lot of people but brake pads to a lot of people it kind of like comes in last in their mind you right. know when really it's one of like the first things that they should say like, yeah. if they're going to like you know, if they're gonna go drive hard in the canyons or drive on the track or yeah. anything. Yeah. So, have you guys done a lot of like brake pad compound testing? Yeah, yeah. Throughout the years, yeah. we we've tried we jump out around like different brake pads, mm -hmm. yeah. different brake kits. 
Um, we Word. we recently changed our brakes on the on the Pikes yeah, eighty six. Oh really? Thanks to Mike, um, okay. linked us up with StopTech, and they were pretty awesome. Yeah, they yeah. Were, they so were really far, good. it's like probably the best brakes we yeah. had on that car. They're yeah, I mean, like, there's no fade or no no, no change in performance. It even just, it just takes that like out of our like our list of things we have to worry about. Yeah, you know, less like, less things to worry about. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so definitely good. Yeah. Well, that's something that I just thought about too, which we haven't talked on the show yet. But in the past couple of weeks, a lot of people have been talking about the new Supra. Hmm. So, have you guys seen one in person yet? Gotten your hands on one at all? That you uh, can talk about? Uh, no, no. <laughs> we're 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 trying to work on. We have customers that are supposedly getting one, mm -hmm. and then maybe we'll get one. We're just not sure yet. Yeah, I'm surprised that you guys didn't get one. I think because everyone wants one, so it's not like you know. But I think regardless, we're probably trying to get one before. SEMA yeah. and just yeah. play around with it. We've got some ideas in the works too. So I was watching one video and they were saying the wheelbase is the same wheelbase as the FRS. You know, it's wider, but the wheelbase length. Mm. So that just like, that shrunk the car immensely in my head. Like I had these ideas of how big it was going to be. Yeah. But when they said that, and it's only like a couple inches longer, yeah. you know, like that car is actually really tiny. Yeah. Which I, in my head, I was picturing like almost like LFA size. You know, like just yeah. the proportions. I think I think Supra, like the new, like the LC five hundred, mm -hmm. that's probably more of like what you imagine a new Supra to be, like that size. Yeah, because old Supras are pretty big cars. Yeah, I think the concept also looked more like the LC five hundred size. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, so a, lo a lot of people were expecting it to be something like that. Yeah. So, but then they said it's like. I think it's like four or five inches wider than the FRS is. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like real wide stance. Yeah. So I, I think, can't I can't wait to see one of those things in person. I think it's gonna be a, a really good car for the tuning industry. Yeah. Yeah. I think and so. A lot of people have their doubts and stuff, where they hate on the fact that it's like a BMW Toyota partnership. Yeah. But it's like if that partnership didn't happen, you wouldn't even have a Supra. Yeah. You know. So, and what's so bad about BMW? You know, it's like. BMW still yeah. BMW. You yeah. know, it's make, they make performance cars. And you know, I think we, it, there just needs to be that one like car that everyone sees that's like really well yep. balanced mm -hmm. and like just the right stance and everything, and people will fall in love, and everyone else want, everyone will want one. Yeah. They want parts for it, and it, it's like the Type R, right? A lot of people started out as ah oh, this Ricer car, and now there's a ton of people mm -hmm. who love that car. I mean, what I love about the stuff that you guys do is that it always looks very track-oriented and very aggressive, um, you know, with like meteor tires and stuff, and you know, it just, it looks really, really nice. That's one thing that I've always enjoyed about the stuff that you guys do, and the really clean builds that you guys do, too. Thank so if you guys by chance happen to get your hands on the A90 Supra, I can't wait to see what you guys do with it. <laughs> the FRS is probably... I mean, in my opinion, it's the nicest looking FRS ever built, um, by by far, actually. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, is that car different than the gray car that you guys built the first time? Yes. Um, or is that the same car? It's a different two, car. Two, yeah, okay. okay, so okay. the gray one is just sitting at the shop oh, yeah. collecting dust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that car was retired because it was we were just done with the, the FA20. It was okay. give us give us too many problems. Yeah, I mean, tend to hear that a lot from people that are trying to push the limits with them. Yeah, yeah. So I actually I lost a motor on mine in like 2013 when my car was like a year old. Yeah, I had like 20,000 miles on it, like 15,000 of them were track miles. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's the car to me. The FRS is a great platform. And the motor fits it, but the motor just isn't as reliable. I've yeah. heard the 2017 Plus, like, they made a lot of changes. Yeah. Um, so kind of interested to see how those work yeah. out. Yeah. The, the big problem is, like, the the way it oils the, the mains and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, it's non-priority oil feed. Hmm. And the oil pump is, like, really fragile, too. And um, oil pump breaks if you increase the revs, and it's a small motor, so it kind of needs to rev. And uh, non-priority, the the mains dry out, and then boom. Spin a bearing or something. Yeah, that's how all the um, higher horsepower ones seem to go, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think we lost rods on ours. Yeah, yeah. The first time. And then blue head gasket. Head gasket after that. Yeah. 
Your, yours is the most reliable one of all the yeah, higher yeah. horsepower ones. For the most part, it, but it, it didn't have make the, all that much horsepower. Like Four thirty, four thirty on a cool yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, which is like not much. Not, yeah. That's right where they start to become bombs, yeah. like four forty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can't keep them together much more than much that. Much past that. Yeah. Man. That so. car, we've taken that car quite a few places. Though. I mean, we went to Japan yeah. with, with that car. Yeah. So one thing I loved about the FRS compared to the S2000, I did love the way that it handled. <laughs> like stock for stock, even modified with both of them. The FRS always felt like it like rotated around the driver a mm -hmm. little bit. Mm -hmm. And the S2000 always felt like it rotated a little bit more around the motor. Mm. You know, like... A little bit more towards the front mm -hmm. so you know that's one thing that i've always enjoyed about the frs and once mm -hmm. they drop down to like the eight thousand dollar range i might consider getting another one yeah but have no interest in like paying 25k for one i get yeah. personally yeah. it has a it has a better like a better shape than the s2000 yeah for for arrow reasons yeah. i think the frs is much more streamlined than s2 it's nice that it came with a roof yeah <laughs> yeah I think that was the big one. I think so. the the big thing with the S two thousand was all the rear lift created. Yeah, you know, from from the rear. I mean, they were designing it in like the late nineties yeah, when exactly. you didn't have nearly as advanced technology. Yeah. And it's like really upright windshield. Yeah, yeah. It's... So, so how? Let's back up real quick. Personally, how did each of you get into cars? You know, is it something you kind of like grew up with? Was there a moment where you were like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna start kind of doing car things uh well for me i had an older brother mm -hmm. that uh was really into cars uh when i was a little kid i'd go for rides in his he had an old rx7 uh it's like a like i think 84 or okay. 83 and like i'd go for rides with him and when he'd work on his car like i'd be like hanging around and like do oil changes with him and stuff and and then he he actually works at uh, American Honda corporate, oh, really? and okay. so like he was a big influence on me, and yeah. that's how I got really into cars. Okay, what was your first car? Uh, I had like a Toyota pickup truck. Yeah, so, nice. Nothing cool, but, nice. <laughs> but you know I I I'd drive it really hard and slide it around, and yeah. the bed would be like tweaking and skipping around. And it's yeah. okay, man. My first three cars were Jeeps, so <laughs> oh yeah. <you> know. <laughs> nice. What was your first performance car that you had? Um, or not performance car, but like first, you know, import car or fun car. Oh, my first import car w was an S S two thousand actually. Okay. So nice. Yeah, yeah. And same that, for me. That's what really <laughs> yes. got me. That's actually what connected me to Mike. Oh yeah. So yeah, that that car kind of I we guess you could say changed my life. Started hanging around the shop a lot, and eventually they gave you a job. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's what actually happened. What happened. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Uh, I just, I remember just I always played with toy cars when I was younger, and mm -hmm. then uh, growing up, I think a big influence was like obviously uh, Japan, like stuff that's coming out of Japan. I think for one point I was watching like every episode of like Best Motoring, like just stuff that was like like I thought it was so cool, you know, like the, the way they're modifying cars, the way they're like driving them, because mm -hmm. they. They they drove every single car they actually modified. So yeah. I, I I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So um, uh, and then in college, you know, I got my first my first car, my first performance car was Integra. So mm -hmm. it was a GSR. Okay. Uh, ninety eight GSR four door. I love that thing. Yeah. It's like I, I want I like I like the four door more than the two door because yeah, me too, man. Yeah, I had a thing back then. I had a thing for touring cars. I thought touring cars were the coolest looking cars ever. They're like a DTM style. Build. Yeah, like the Accords. Yeah. I thought they were like the most badass race cars. Right, they were the most fun races to watch too. Yeah, <laughs> so like. Yeah, I always say like, yeah, like a lot of the the, the 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 old school race cars, a lot of these Japanese tuning, like that had a lot of influence on me. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, once I got my Integra, it was like it was history because I just started modifying. I had a lot of fun with it, met tons of people. And then going back to my story earlier, then I started like, hey, maybe I could, you know, I could sell some stuff here and there. Because I was on the forums talking to people already. It's like, hey, I'm in L.A. This is where all the parts come from. Yeah. In the rest of the country, they don't know where to get. I mean, they, they could probably get it. But back then, e-commerce wasn't as strong as it is mm -hmm. today. So to buy a set of Vogue racing wheels, you kind of have to know somebody to be like, hey, what, what do you get those TEs from? That's like super rare if you're like in the East Coast. So like, I was like, you know, I can make a business out of this. So like, 
kind of went on the forums like hey you guys want this I was selling a lot of lug nuts that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we sold a lot of in the beginning was lug nuts okay yeah which ones all of them all so of them? it was like it was all the Japanese stuff that Yuteki Yuteki Kyokugin but we sold tons of lug nuts hmm. So much that we even bought the URL King, King of Nuts. Really? <laughs> you get some nuts to go see Evasive. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's, it's still there. Redirects. I think it's still there. But nice. But yeah, that was that that was kind of how we started in the uh, car stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start sending people to KingofNuts.com. <laughs> like T-shirts. Yeah. 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 You guys should revive that. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah, that would be a pretty cool delivery I think everyone will try to oh, yeah. visit that. Like, everyone will take a look. Yeah. yeah, I get a lot of hits. Yeah, that'd be great, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, I mean, so back in the day, you know, back in the early 2000s, that was really kind of the like the real explosive growth mm-hmm. of like the import tuning culture in the U.S. Yeah, um, I'm sure there was a lot of shops that like popped up and like. Only lasted a couple of years and then they're gone. Yeah, you know, yeah. you guys are still around. Obviously, yeah. from from you know doing great work, great builds, great quality parts. But is there anything special that you guys feel like you did to kind of weather that? You know, the, like kind of the depression a little bit and like the decline in import tuning there for a little bit. Um, I, I you know I think it's just about like like. Like a lot of shops that come and go, I feel like they're in it for the quick buck, mm-hmm. or like, oh, it's something hot to get into real quick. It's like tr- following trends. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they're not they don't like tuning cars, but mm-hmm. they're in it because they feel like, oh, there's an opportunity. I'm gonna jump at it, whatever. I think for us, like, think I could speak of this of everyone that works at Evasive. We're actually like we're passionate about this stuff. Like to us, like going to the track is what makes working like doing stuff at the shop make it worthwhile right yeah like we literally we go racing on sunday work on monday that's that's our model and and it's been like that since i think we started the company ever since we started getting into like the the, the, the track, track oriented put the yeah. performance part of stuff we look forward to these events every year and we want to do a good job on the business end so we can keep up keep doing this type of stuff and we understand like things can like any uh, uh, with any business it can like it can turn real fast mm-hmm. like a recession hits you know it's like who's gonna buy car parts when they have to pay rent you know it's like I, we understand that because we went through that in 08 07 08 um, luckily back then our operation was a lot smaller so it was easy to kind of be like alright we had a slow month let's pick it up next month but I think end of the day as long as you have this like goal this passion that you want you know what you want to do with these cars and you're not trying to just be here to trying to sell people something just make a quick buck i mean we, we we're trying to like build a relationship with these customers and have them trust us when we sell them cars because like we do the same thing they do you mm-hmm. know so as long as you have that i think that's why we're still around just because we're like we're just like everybody else but but we're running a business right yeah okay now for both of you guys what's What's I guess the your favorite car that you guys have built at the shop, and then what's the one that you're most proud of? Um, well, for me, those two are the same car. It's okay. the first FRS. Okay. Um, we that that car was actually everything on that car was built in house. Like we didn't outsource for anything for that car, and then that car took us to Pikes Peak for the first time, and we finished on the first. First yeah, try. Which is a big achievement. Yeah, it's that's so, a big yeah, achievement. Yeah, yeah. And it was a it was a pretty respectable time. You know, a ten fifty nine at that time was like, oh, you guys went under eleven minutes. Yeah, that's, in an unproven car. Yeah, in an unproven yeah. car. The first year that car came out. Yeah. Yeah, and then we we took that same car to Scuba in Japan. That that's we never would have thought that we'd be in Japan doing time attack yeah. with a car that we built. Yeah. So that that's to me like my favorite yeah, sure build that, and most proud of that one. Yeah, that probably felt pretty surreal, like going yeah. to Japan, like kind of being in the culture and like always looking at all those builds and kind yeah. of being inspired and then to find yourself right in the thick of it, yeah. competing as a yeah. team. That was cool. That was yeah. pretty cool, yeah. 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 I think my, I mean, that's one of my favorite builds, but I think like RS2000, like the, the first blue one. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of my favorite builds, um, just because it was it was so simple, yeah. But it was so effective, and it, it really made a big difference. 
on like the whole S2000 tuning program for us. It, it, it paved the way for like everything we're doing with the platform now. Yeah. Yeah. Even till this day, we're still putting out products for the car. And like you said, it's been discontinued for 10 years already. Like Honda's probably going to stop selling OE parts for that car soon. And we're still releasing shame, aftermarket man. parts. Hopefully they'll bring it back. Yeah. Like, Toyota's I mean, building, like, it looks like they're starting to support the A80. Yeah. And Nissan, Nissan's yeah. uh, making the R32 GTRs, parts yeah. again. Yeah. Because there's a market for it, you know. These enthusiasts are not going to go away, and these mm -hmm. cars going to be around for years to go to come, you know. So hopefully, somebody influential, uh, influential at Honda, will listen to this. Right, Kel's brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. S two thousand and NSX parts, man, oh, yeah. and EG parts. Yeah, gotta keep those EG parts going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what about? I mean, is that that's your favorite car? Is that also the one that you're probably the most proud of as well? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, I think I'll be the same as Kel. Like, we're proud of that the, yeah. the, the FRS that we first built, just because we 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 literally built it from scratch, and it was something that we never done before, and it came out okay, you know, and and we proved that it actually could perform too, not just for SEMA, just for looks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's probably the build that we're most proud of. For okay. Sure. And what are what are the plans for 2019 for you guys? Um, finish Pikes in a really fast time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing we're thinking about right now because it's coming up in 40 days. Yeah. And oh, wow, it's that soon. Yeah. It? And then we're, yeah, and we're actually leaving like three weeks. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because we're practicing pre practice. There's a practice before, a week before that okay. we signed up for. So that's the number one thing right now for us to focus on. But after mm. that, um, we have a few SEMA projects that we're working on. Okay. Um, so we're we're actually building a, another S two thousand with the Type R engine actually. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be freaking awesome, yeah, man. So this is something that I thought that's secret. No, no. We, we post it on Instagram. Yeah. It's on Instagram, no. so it can't be a secret. <laughs> so we call it like the S two thousand R for now. We just want to build a Type R version of S two thousand. Like, yeah, yeah. what would you? What would happen if Honda built <laughs> a modern version of S two thousand? Yeah. Probably with yeah, a four-cylinder mm -hmm. engine that mm -hmm. makes really good horsepower and torque. So okay. that's yeah. what we're working on right now. You guys using the S2000 transmission? S2000 transmission, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's an adapter plate? Adapter plate. Now, is that is that the same like K-series adapter plate that you would do for a regular no, K-series? It's a custom one. Custom? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. It's completely different. Cool. Then when they flip the intake manifold, like, it's all facing the wrong way. Yeah. But, yeah, it fits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah we mocked up engine mounts. Yeah. yeah. It's, the engine has sat in the... Engine bay already, so okay. Yeah, that'll so be really cool. That I think even stock turbo and stuff for now. Stock, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think he needs more than that. Yeah. There's plenty yeah. of torque and power. I yeah. mean, a three hundred something horsepower S two thousand. Yeah, <laughs> it will it will run on Moltec. Yes, so okay. it will make a more power than stock. I've always thought like the perfect balance for an S two thousand is right around like the 350, 360 exactly. horsepower. Yeah, after, like yeah, you know, nothing too crazy. Still reliable, right? But you know, a decent amount of power to get out of the corners. Yeah, and, you know, go faster down the straights. Yeah, and, and the response and torque from this engine is gonna be like nothing like anyone's ever felt, right? Yeah, I mean, you could you could turbocharge your S two thousand, but it's not gonna feel like yeah. a stock Type R engine. Yeah, you know, so it's I think it'll be pretty fun to drive. Yeah, yeah. especially I mean the the Type R weighs what like thirty two, thirty three hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. the S two thousand, depending on the build you guys are doing, will yeah. be what twenty seven to twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So a lot lighter, okay. real wheel drive. That'll be cool, yeah, man. It'll be fun. So it'll be a SEMA car. You know, we're we're not. It would be nice if it finished by SEMA to mm -hmm. display, but we're not like shooting for that. We want the car to be built right and built yeah. perfectly. There's a certain kind of finish we want yeah. the car to have. So, so. SEMA is not the goal. The goal okay. is to produce the car that maybe later on we can replicate it for customers if they mm -hmm. actually want one. But this this will be like the number one car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see a lot of guys that are starting to do just regular, you know, K twenty four swaps mm -hmm. into the S two thousand, and I think, you know, the next step up from that is you know that motor out of the Civic Type yeah. R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think that'll be that'll be a really cool build. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. Well, where can people find out more about Evasive Motorsports? Um, Kingofnuts.com. So, Kingofnuts.com. King <laughs> I have to check that URL again. Yeah, you can, I, I hope we saw. I hope it's. I hope it's. Uh, <laughs> We've been talking I hope about it's it. It's a PG thirteen website. <laughs> um, we have social media like Facebook, Instagram, yeah. um, Twitter. Uh, you can find us our website, EvasiveMotorsports.com. Um, you visit us. You can yeah. visit if you're in LA. You come by the shop. We're in Santa Fe Springs. But yeah, we're 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 on social media quite often, so we, we do a lot of updates. 
you know, when we go testing, Mike is on yeah. Instagram sometimes. And yeah. then uh, we've also got a, like a private label brand that we... Oh, the EVS stuff, Yeah, right? EVS yeah. tuning. So EVS tuning also. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, any new products coming out from EVS soon? Yeah, uh, well, the mirrors. Yeah. I think okay. I think everyone knows about the mirrors already. Yeah. That's that's coming soon. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're, yeah. yeah, there's arrow like kind of a DTM style aerodynamic mirror. Nice. Yeah. Specific for the S2000 right uh, now. For S2000, but we've got uh, plans for GTR, FRS86 okay. platform, and then uh, universal. Yeah, it's pretty. It's kind of universal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's it's kind of interesting too though because. Um, Looking at CFD studies from several different cars, that mirrors are responsible for um, as much as fifteen percent of the total drag of a car. Really? Yeah. Wow. And and so, trying to reduce mirror drag is actually a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, if you can get that fifteen percent down to like ten percent, even. Yeah. You know, that's. That's yeah. a big difference. Yeah. Some of the stock mirrors are huge. <laughs> yeah, right. they're kind of big these yeah. days. Uh, you know, one of my friends is an aerodynamicist, and he told me that I didn't believe him until he actually showed me the data. The data and yeah. I'm like, wow. Who would have guessed? Maybe I should take the mirrors off my RV. I might get like a whole other like mile to <laughs> a gallon, man. <laughs> Who needs mirrors anyways? Yeah. Yeah. Free mod. <laughs> I got a back. I got a backup camera. Yeah. We're fine. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those things that, you know, you look at a lot of race cars, a lot of them, a lot of the street builds still have the mirrors on them, but then you see some guys that'll take them off and put, like, little mirrors on the roll cage on the inside, mm. you know, just to get that last that last little edge. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. cool. Well, we appreciate your time, guys, and yeah. uh, maybe we'll pop down to the shop here soon. I've never sure. been never been down there. Totally so, should. Yeah, I need to. By I need to. Anytime, yeah. So, I'll just start hanging out a lot and you guys will give me a job cleaning the toilets or something. <laughs> so, cool. Appreciate yeah. it, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Thank you. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at a grid live to say hello. Hello.